Oh man, I feel like I caught a cold. My throat is so sore from yelling. Oh, we all caught colds. I don't know if I have enough beer for this episode. That's my concern. <laughs> I have too much beer for this episode. I'm not going to be able to get through a beer, but I have a special beer for this episode that I'm very excited about, actually. Oh, but, I think you're going to love it. But I'm not, yeah. Uh, this this is the 73rd episode of the Belligerent Beeps podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, Beaver fam. What uh, what a Thanksgiving week it was. Um, a, a few things happened. What? No, there's some, some basketball games. Yeah. Uh, some, some, some turkey was had. Uh, yeah. Some gravy was poured. Yeah. It's all uh, gravy. And, uh, yeah. And it's all gravy. Cranberry sauce. It's all cranberry yeah, sauce. It's all cranberry. <laughs> Cran- You're a cranberry sauce. And <laughs> Oh, my God. What? All of it culminating in. What I can only say, uh, describe as an epic fucking comeback. My voice is already cracking. That's how epic it was. Uh, the <laughs> Civil War game at Research Stadium yesterday. Your read win, 38-34. All three of us in attendance. Uh, thankfully, all back, basically all back home, safe and sound. Uh, I am currently in JP's home with JP. Benny made it home earlier today, uh, and all of us were there, and I don't know how we're talking out loud right now. Terry, you live here now. <laughs> I do. I can, I'm not allowed to go home. There's literally yeah. a towel on a stool behind me that is Terry's. Yeah. That's when. You, that's like, that is the Terry's equivalent of ownership. He just lays a wet towel right, yeah, if I, wherever he is now residing. Right. You're such an animal. This is my domain now. <laughs> and then he pees all over it. Yeah. <laughs> we are all animals, after all. We That's all true. pee, men. Speaking uh, of animals, I would say that uh, it is it is a fair statement to say that uh, the mammal, the greatest mammal in the world, the beaver, is better than the duck or the fowl. It, it's been scientifically proven, yeah. All in all, in all related animals as well, you know, fowl mallards fuck mallards oh yeah i agree can i just say uh, like i've thought about this i was saying this yesterday after the game and i thought that i might come down off my high and be like all right i'll put it in perspective i think what we witnessed yesterday might be the greatest i don't know how do i how do i put this the greatest feeling that a Beaver fan could have gotten from being at a sporting event in Beaver's history. I don't, I don't know if I go as far to say it was the greatest game. Cause I think that still probably is the, the 2001 Fiesta bowl. Maybe it's definitely this, the one yesterday gave us a run for its money, but it's the best feeling that I think you could feel as a Beaver fan was yesterday. Well, I think we'll get into this handsomely, but I am in agreement. Uh, that there was something in, insanely special about yesterday's game. Also, you guys not want to know what is special about today? What? What's special today? It's Miley Cyrus's birthday. It's Miley Cyrus's birthday. JP, five seconds of Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. I hopped up the plane at LAX. 
go i figured that's oh, a great my way showed up yesterday i knew it was fucking over <laughs> you did you did say this spells bad yep. news spells for bad the ducks news. and miley cyrus was miley cyrus played when it was 17 to 31 or 17 34 i think is the score was, yes yeah uh, yeah well it was sometime it was not the sing-along the, the ducks made it 34 17 on the first play of the fourth quarter uh, yep. So I think it was thirty-one seventeen. I think though we could talk about this really quickly. That we we were always saying that Miley needed to be played as part of the sing along because the sing along is how it got played to begin with, and that's how we had this incredible record of wins when Miley Party in the USA was played as a sing along, and this was a gamble by the athletic department, Sarah Alcano, to not include it as one of the three choices for the sing-along, but they did promise it would be played in some in some fashion. Yeah. And it got played, and honestly, it was sung more than the sing-along. If you hear that song, you're fucking singing Yes, and, and It doesn't need to be a designated sing-along. Not, not that Oregon State fans don't know all the lyrics to that song already, but they did have the lyrics up on the big board I was checking, and I think this spells great news specifically for the football team going forward, because what that tells me is that that Miley Cyrus party in the USA has graduated past the sing-along and is now a solidified um, tradition, tradition or anthem of the football team, similar to how like jump around is synonymous with Wisconsin party in the USA is going to be that for Oregon state played at the beginning of every fourth quarter. I love it. Yeah. I, I love it too. Uh, and yeah, I think we've just been buzzing all day. Uh, I got texts from so many people. Like you'd think I, I played in the fucking game, how much my phone blew up. Uh, people not, <laughs> not even Oregon State fans, but that's that's what happens when you put the beeves on national TV. Yeah. God damn it. And <laughs> keep us hit it on Pac 12 Network. People stumble upon it uh, and got to take in the great atmosphere that we uh, created. So shout out to the athletic department. Uh, we, we we're going to get into this uh, like crazy nitty gritty, but if just a few more details to go in at the beginning of the episode here. Uh, lo- love the cowboy hats. Yeah. <laughs> those, those, those were a hit. The first time I saw them wasn't like, I'm like, what's the, what's the deal here? Uh, that added a lot of, a lot of color. <laughs> yes. Can can I say one quick thing on the cowboy hats? Um, yes. so I was listening to uh the it was like the post post game, uh, because I got out of Corval so late last night, but they had some uh people that were calling in, and there is this old guy that called in and he's like, That is going to be such a momentum in like the near and far future because I was offering college kids $50 per hat and no one agreed to take me up on that. And they said no so fast. So those are, uh, those are really cool little momentum pieces. So, um, hey, and that one guy then be so rich because he had guy, like 500 yeah. hats on his head. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That was uh, awesome. When, when, so when we got to the game, we headed down to the field and we saw a good friend, Brie Galvez, and she was getting things ready to go. I mean, she was on top of it, like over an hour and a half plus before kickoff. I think I saw her Instagram's, story that she was at research at like 4 a.m for game day like eight hours before kickoff and makes sense though yeah and she crushes it so we get there and i didn't even see the hats for some reason i mean there was the students were already at the stadium like like the whole student section was absolutely jammed 
And I'm sitting there going, like, wow, they're really decked out in orange. And she's like, don't you like the orange out? I was like, yeah, this is amazing. And then, and then she's like, do you want a cowboy hat? And it, I had no frame of mind as to, like, what <laughs> – what she was talking about, even though literally thousands of students around, like right in front of me, were wearing cowboy hats, like didn't cross my mind that That's it was a hilarious question without context. Yeah, like, but there was plenty of context. <laughs> I was looking at her, and behind her was thousands of students in orange cowboy hats. <laughs> but it didn't cross my mind this was like a giveaway or like some sort of thing that the athletic department had put on. So I was like, absolutely, are you kidding? So I still have one. One of them got stolen, but. Probably by a Duck fan. So we have one, though. I threw mine uh, when uh, um, Newell got the touchdown for us to go up uh, in the game. I tossed mine up like I was a, a buckaroo from Texas in 1880, <laughs> man. It just flew up in the air. And I, I wish I wouldn't have done that, but, uh, you know, when you, when in Rome. You are a moment. buckaroo. Yeah. I am a buckaroo. <laughs> yeah. See, these, uh, these hats will be seen in the next season of uh, Westworld. <laughs> if, that, if that show ever comes back yeah, it pretty, it I think it's done I think it's done. it probably needs to be uh, but anyway also just a great Thanksgiving week overall great to be here in Portland with you guys um, shout out to my family and my parents who I did not spend <laughs> Thanksgiving with uh, but I couldn't because not only was it the Civil War game on Saturday but there was a ton of basketball games like 20 games that we went to <laughs> say it again Terry 20 games <laughs> Hey, 20 games. Oh, shout out Cat Williams. JP, please play uh, start to finish every one of Cat no. Williams' stand-up specials. Uh, that's reasonable. Um, <laughs> uh, starting with one, I thought we are getting a huge Thanksgiving Day gift uh, when our boys played the Duke Blue Devils. De- oh, de- my God. I basketball. forgot we even went to that. Doesn't that feel like <laughs> three fucking years ago? Yeah. Uh, yes. Duke, so Oregon State played Duke at Veterans Memorial Coliseum on uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and gave gave it all they had, and I think in a, in a way that no one saw coming, <laughs> and almost pulled off the upset. It was such a fun game. I, that's why like I felt like I lost my voice at that game. Yeah. And I was not expecting the men's basketball team to get that out of me in a game against Duke. Um, and then that kind of led to a bit of a letdown against Florida. And then they'll play their final game of the PK 3085 tonight at the Child's Center against Portland State, a grudge match against the the Vikings of Portland State. Um, but man, what it was great to be at a super fun men's basketball game again, and to yeah. see the play in a way that made you believe a little bit. Yeah, and and Duke is. I wouldn't say the East coast version of Oregon, but like they're one of the more disliked teams, I would say on, on the East coast. So Duke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, um, it was a, it was a good keeping in the theme of Thanksgiving, good appetizer for uh, the main feast. It was. And one thing that I thought was, was okay. Like the game didn't go how we hoped it. We didn't pull it off. We had two chances at the end of the game to hit the three to go to overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of them were clean looks. They were tough shots. If they would have gone in, it would have would have been a miracle. It was a miracle, to be honest, that we were even in that position yeah. at that point in the game. But what I really loved about it, even though we all wanted to win, we predicted a win. We literally said, we're winning. We're beating Duke like on the last episode. I just kind of, I just kind of believed it. 
but whatever. Yeah. But yeah, like it was, but this team won because they played together. They or like they they, they they didn't win the game, but they won in like this like bonding experience of playing as a team and they shut Duke down defensively. Right. Which was honestly what we based a lot of our kind of early upstart teams on we built from defense and like whenever we've had a run especially even under tinkle he's kind of built from defense first and this team showed that uh on thanksgiving i mean they mm -hmm. held duke they held duke to 26 percent shooting from the field right they yep. were relentless on defense and you can tell that they love playing for each other and playing hard for each other which not not gonna throw any shade, but that, that's a welcome sight after after a after a tough season. I mean, there were Duke fans shaking and next to us in the right. stands. They, they were yeah. worried. They had yeah. no idea. But also, they had everything to lose, right? And we had right. just everything to gain from this. So yeah. it it was definitely a, a very fun experience uh, to open up the the PK legacy tournament or whatever the hell it's called. Well, and in that game too, uh, just one last thing on the defense, like they they were switching from man to zone and it looked like they were running almost different types of of zone too uh which goes to what you were saying um about how the team just plays so well together like that requires a lot of communication and players really being in the here and now and like there's no chance to sort of drift off and not be paying attention to exactly what you should be doing at that moment um and so that that's tough to do especially with such a young team and that's i think where they they kept the game so close yeah i mean they didn't they didn't bring that kind of same defensive energy to open up against florida no and, and that set them back that made it tough all game but they didn't give up yeah. they didn't give up and that's really where the, the the difference of this year and last year is is that this team fought even though they were down fairly big after probably a a, a very emotionally draining game against duke where you thought maybe there was that chance to have a signature win as a program that's the youngest in college basketball or like third youngest in college basketball and you could have had that under your belt this early and that would have been you know amazing and i think yeah that takes a lot out of you as a player and probably a coach that you were this close uh and they and they, they came out that sluggish against florida and just couldn't recover but they never gave up and they right, fought yeah. back into that game too right yeah and there's a lot of you know good flashes of, of brilliance and things to, to hold your hat on to uh Really, for me, it was just uh, that was the most fun I've had watching this team play since March of 2021. So, so that's yes. nice. Uh, we all are really bullish and think we have one in Jordan Pope. Yeah, uh, which which is great. Um, and yeah, they're the team. It's you know, I we've talked with a good friend of the pod, um, Mar Marla Stewart, uh, mom of beloved Coach Bubba. Uh, who uh, has has said, but you know, it's it's definitely a different vibe and a different feeling around the guys this year. Hey, we also um, got to see the Peyton years, and, and they they echo the, the same sentiment. Yeah, I was good. I was leading to that too. We uh, got to hang out with the Peyton years, pre-gamed a little bit at Doctor Jack's. Very very fun Thanksgiving morning with those guys. So shout out to Sam and Andy. Listen to the Peyton years if you're not a, a subscriber yet. Uh, they do a better better job than anyone uh, breaking down the men's basketball team. Um, and then, of course, we also got to see one of the best women's players in the country on Friday night as well. <laughs> Benny, thank you for driving us from the Moda Center to the Child Center. In like a hurricane, by in the like way. like a typhoon. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty wet. Uh, so we could see uh, Talia von Olhoffen go uh, head-to-head with uh, Iowa's Caitlin Clark, which uh, you know ultimately 
uh, went to the Hawkeyes, seventy three fifty nine final. But uh, Oregon State was right in it, and you know, till you know, like mid fourth quarter, and you know, we don't want to be. Uh, I know <laughs> this fan base has a tough time with moral victories, and don't want to be, you know, uh, accepting mediocrity, whatever. But this was <laughs> definitely a good showing from Ruick's team. It's a young team. Uh, you know, it was a baptism by fire for a lot of his players. Uh, and you're playing literally the player who's going to be the number one pick in the WNBA draft. And all of them, uh, Talia uh, specifically, weren't weren't scared. And they, they played a hell of a game. Uh, newcomer Shalexis Aaron had an awesome game as well. Um, so that was uh, that was great to see. And also, Child Center, first time for me. Great venue. They did sell beer. That was our. That was a big question. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Terry was, stomached one, barely. That, I did. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was tough. I, I was. You know, I was already. It was everything was already catching up to me by uh, Weird. Friday night. And there's also there's a track around the upper seating area at the Child Center, and JP kept challenging me to a race. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't take the challenge. It's like a four, yeah, it's four hundred meters around, and that's. Would have, that was literally the last activity on the planet I wanted to partake in. I, I saw Terry um, at the game, the Florida game, which was right before I took him to the trial center. And that does look like it would have been the last thing you would have wanted to do was, is to race. I mean, the USA England game was earlier that day. My body's <laughs> like, what the hell, dude? Oh, all day. It was, it was tough. Um, but yeah, so uh, PK3085. Uh, though we we might get a couple of wins here uh, tonight. Um, we are recording before the uh, men play Portland State and before the women play Duke uh, and some familiar faces uh, in that mm-hmm. program. Uh, but there there's a there's a chance uh, that we we emerge from the PK eighty five with a couple of victories. Um, yeah, but yeah. I was happy that it coincided with Thanksgiving. Spending Thanksgiving with my friends, the Beaver fam, and uh, getting to go to some basketball games and also that incredible football game. (laughs) What football game? Uh, Oh, yeah, there's a football game uh, yesterday, Saturday. I guess we'll talk about that. That that, that, that we'll get to. Uh, But it's time um, for for the Reagan Beers segment. Yes. Um, I'm opening mine. I started opening it, but it was too loud. That's all right. I'm going to open mine right now, too. Benny, uh, st- standard standard Benny move is just leaving or or not throwing the finger up, Th- throwing saying, the oh, finger hold up. Hold on, calling a timeout. Are you are you calling a timeout when you don't have any, Chris Weber? What's going on here? Which finger are you throwing up? Is it the same one you threw up? Uh... Okay, he is calling a timeout. But oh. well, JP and I can converse while yeah. you leave. If you actually leave, I will. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, but I'm not. Maybe totally you shouldn't sure. do that in front of no, I should Benny because we I okay I offered that he could have some. Well, no, not he. But needs, now it's he too need, late. He needs to know. <laughs> he needs to learn the way I learned. Let the boy watch. Uh, Let uh, the uh, boy watch. Uh, we have we have Benny back. Benny, you're back. Hey, I am. It was a quick trip. Good. Um, JP, you're very excited about the beer that you have in front of you and in, also in front of me. It's, I bright. Even... it's bright. Holy shit. It's really bright. I haven't even checked it in yet. I, I know nothing about this beer, oh, but man. I picked it. This is a live tasting. Because it's a double IPA with orange Ooh. called 
Orange Crush. Woo-hoo. That so, could be the name of our defense. Live tasting. Oh, he's drinking it, people. He's drinking it. It's better than electric lights. Oh, it is. Oh. Why would you give away my beer like that? I didn't give it away. I just, I, that was my last one I had. Damn it. Now I gave it away. <laughs> yeah. They're not even similar beers, though. I don't even know why you'd compare Well, them. I'd give oh, it a higher rating. Okay. Okay. I saw, a, I saw a red Gatorade at the game. I think you may have bought that for your son, JP. And, I did. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was tempted to try it to see what electric lights taste like. Speaking uh, of, I well, are you, do you are you ready to rate this beer? Oh yeah, you four, have to check in right now. A four point five. Four point five. Yeah. Damn. Well, you know, on a weekend like this with a lots of games and lots of yelling, uh, a lot of energy, it's important to hydrate and replenish your fluids uh, and electrolytes. So JP has been kind enough to get me a beer, the beer that he drank last week, Electric Lights from Great Notion and Trailblazing. Shout out both of those places. Um, and yeah, it's the, the sport seltzer style beer from Great Notion that looks like a red Gatorade, smells like a red Gatorade, and yeah, it's red as hell. So I'm going to be trying this for the first time right now, too. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. yeah, that's Gatorade. <laughs> this is what I, if I had known it was this, this is what I've been drinking all weekend. I told you guys. I should have gone to Great Notion when I arrived. I told you guys, it is amazing. It is like it tricks your brain into thinking that you're fueling Hydrating. your body nicely. No, yeah. yeah, I could. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready to go up against the Oregon defense right now. Not that they showed they could tackle anybody, so that's, <laughs> that doesn't say much. But yeah, no, this is this is great. Uh, my tongue is going to be just beat red by the end of this, probably. But that's all right. Yeah, it's so. okay. Uh, so yeah, shout out Electric Lights. This is this is fantastic, and uh, a beer I wish I'd known. Something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday, <laughs> but it was. It was brought to my attention last week, and I'm just now drinking it for the first time. So thank you, JP. Yeah, you're welcome. You're right, though. I think with the uh, with the amount of success that our running backs had, I mean, our offensive line was really good. So they probably could put Terry Horseman in a halfback dive and uh, have you score a touchdown, but only with Electric Lights. Yeah, I'm. I'm- I'm thankful for the running backs we have in our running back room. Not that does not include me. Me too. <laughs> uh, Benny. Yeah. So I am drinking. Uh, it is in an 8.4 fluid ounce can. Um, it is. The can is very uh, cool looking. It has a checkered pattern. It is a Red Bull and I am drinking it oh. because I drove about 69,000 miles in the last nice. five days. Nice. And um, it must have been a I nice was, drive. It was such a nice drive. I was screaming so loud yesterday that I had to stop because, like, the part of my head where it meets my neck just started throbbing in pain because I was screaming so loud. It made me scared for a second, but <laughs> yeah, wow. Nothing that a Red Bull can't fix. So, cheers, right. Laheim. Hey, um, we, have a, we have a very special. Uh, we do have a special cheers. A very special toast. Uh, oh, okay. Baseball season doesn't start for a while. Uh, but we do need to interject a little bit of baseball into this episode. And cheers to our newest belligerent Beavs athlete, pitcher, Ryan Brown. Let's go. Yeah, Brownie. Sir Ryan. Let's Welcome go, Brownie. To the babies. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to have him on board. So, if you ever uh, want to be a belligerent Beavs athlete, just beat or like best in Oregon athlete at something and talk a lot of shit immediately after doing it. Yeah. And you're in. You're in. Like that's an that's an auto auto offer from us. Yeah. 
I don't know how we time this up this perfectly, but to have (laughs) somebody who was pointing at the dugout and screaming for the Oregon player, he just burned by on a fastball and struck him out to go sit down, join the belligerent beefs team the same week that we smoked Oregon and told them to go sit down in their proverbial dugout uh, is, is just perfect timing. So it's fate. Welcome to the team. It's fate. I know It, it really is. Uh, it's incredible. So well done, Brownie. Uh, never change. No, uh, please don't. No. Please do that again. <laughs> yeah, uh, very excited. And so that uh, Brownie joins uh, his uh, his teammate Tanner Smith as a belligerent beefs teammate as well. So the belligerent battery. Can't wait. Belligerent battery. Ooh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Can't wait to see those guys on the field uh, this coming spring. All right, we have a lot of football to get into. What? Uh, what football? But first, uh, I need to remind you all that this episode of the Belligerent Beeves podcast is brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel. Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, making incredibly comfortable and incredibly dope, officially licensed dripped drip with official college designs it's been a long weekend drip 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 it got that drip drip as we're recording this right now their black friday sale is coming to an end oh but never fear because the cyber monday sale hey tomorrow also 20 percent off site-wide use code cyber monday uh all one word at checkout and you'll get 20 percent off whatever but only you know, you really only need stuff from the Belligerent, or not the Belligerent Beefs collection, the Oregon State collection. The Belligerent Beefs collection is forthcoming at a to-be-determined date. Um, and yeah, this is the biggest discount home field offers all year, site-wide, uh, and items are subject to, to uh, sell out. And holidays are coming up, coming fast. Uh, you don't want to, you know, hesitate too long, and you want to get the, that stuff for the sports fan in your life. The perfect gifts. For any of your family, friends, gift cards are available as well. Go to Home Field Apparel and use the code CyberMonday at checkout for 20% off site-wide. I was wearing Home Field Apparel like all fucking week. You did. And I have to say this. Home Field makes the highest quality garments. We know this. So we've talked about how soft they are. They fit really well. And this isn't even part of the ad read, but I have right. to say they only do it for the highest quality universities because one university doesn't doesn't have a collection. Doesn't have a collection. What what they, what university is uh, that? I think they lost a football game we might be talking about. Oh. 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 Who could that have been? I think it's Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Do you think it's because Phil Knight's impossible to deal with? Yeah. Negotiation <laughs> licensing deals with them is a nightmare. Yeah. Even though even though it's incredibly dope, incredibly pristine shit in a very unique way that the university itself wouldn't put out. <laughs> and this concludes our whispering segment. Should we do the entire episode like this? <laughs> JP, please play five seconds of the Whisper song with the Yin Yang Twins. Hey, how you doing, love mama? Let me whisper in your ear. Tell you something that you might like to hear. Oh, you're freaking good, damn it. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I love that song. Oh, good song. Oh, we good got a, we job. Got a listener at the at the Oregon State F- Florida game. Uh, we 
he was wearing the Orange Express home field shirt. That's he right. He said, nice home field shirt. And he immediately said, are you guys the belligerent? Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, shout out Andrew. Andrew, that's right. Yeah, yeah. good to meet you. Andrew, good to meet you. Uh, yeah, and, and Andrew's probably buying more home field stuff with this uh, discount. Oh, so no doubt. Andrew's cool, so be like Andrew and get, get more home field drip. Yep. Uh, hey, speaking of cool listeners and fans, we met a lot of them. I, we, we did. Doing this in chronological order might be the best way. Because <laughs> we're, we're just going to keep... Because uh, there, there's, there's so much. There's so much coming. Um, but we knew it was going to be a good day when we were driving down I-5 yeah. southbound to the Paris of the Pacific Northwest, yeah. uh, Oregon State University, um, the Harvard of the Pac-12. And there's all of these cars with Oregon State flags flying. So And it was early, by the it way. It was early. We woke up, uh, you know, ass crack of dawn to try and beat traffic. Uh, we did, thankfully. And we're, you know, pulling by, we're passing cars with Oregon State flags. So I uh, rolled down the window of our dope rental Escalade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to roll the window down because it was tinted. <laughs> like, like, like 5% tint. I mean, there was no visibility through right. that window. Um, <laughs> and so, like, and then, you know, I was, you know, putting my, like, arm out going, like, yeah, and trying to get people's attention, and then people would, like, honk back or whatever. And it's this one car, silver Mazda, with matching old-school Benny flags, responds, you know, also, like, clapping and, like, cheering a little bit. It's a, it's a guy and a girl in the car. And then they pull back up to us further down the road. Uh, and hold up a piece of paper with Chopham written on it. Yes. And, <laughs> I, and, they, and but also they're like, you know, signal like roll down your window, yeah, roll down your window. Signal, roll down your window, roll down your, and had Chopham written on it. And I lost my collective shit. I was not driving. JP was. Terry almost jumped like, out of the back seat window. I was like, <laughs> we need to hang out. I'm jumping into your car from this car. <laughs> Drive the exact same speed for a while. Like a dog in the car that you're slightly worried about, so you just have to roll the window up just yes. enough so they can't right. fit out. Yeah. And lock it, <laughs> child lock it. Yeah, I needed to do that for Terry. If only I knew how to do that on the rental car. Right. <laughs> no, that, was, that was incredible. Uh, Zach um, reached out to us. We were able to connect with him, and your, uh, your complimentary Chopham shirt is on its way. Yep. Um, so that uh, signaled good things for us, Uh through through the rest of the I felt day. so good after that. I just I felt like there was magic in there. The vibes were great <laughs> all all damn day. Um it just it really felt like you know, it's easy to say this after the game and people be like, Oh yeah, I'm sure you felt that way. But it really felt like um there is something in the air and that it was going to be uh, a great day. I think that was probably I think that probably coincided with the flip. And what I mean by the flip is Oregon opened up this last week as favorites, but that flipped on game day, the morning of game day where Oregon state became favorites. And I think that there is some, something in the ethosphere where those two moments coincided, people started having faith in Oregon state at that moment. JP, please play five seconds of game over by a little flip. (laughs) Great. Great call. Yeah, I had to. I um, had to. And to get into this, the the full analysis, um, I want to read something that a listener sent us this morning um, that they wrote before uh, before the game started, but were too nervous to send to us 
uh, in, in fear of jinxing uh, the result. And we all believe in jinxes. Right. So, you know, I don't um, blame We're knocking them. on wood right now. Um, <laughs> but this came in this morning, um, and it's, it's very, you know, I thought it was very well written, uh, very awesome, and very uh, seasonal and timely. So um, this is from Kyle Malloy, at Kyle Malloy, uh, at Kyle Malloy 2 on Twitter. Um, and it's called Twas Right Before Kickoff. Twas right before kickoff, when all through the state, not a person was certain just what was the fate of the football rivalry as intense as before, even though both universities said it's no civil war. While Reeser was rocking and shouting so loud, while rhythmic tail slapping pervaded the crowd. While with Bray on the sideline, Smith thinking perhaps he'd made the right hire to spring this great trap. When out on the field there arose such a clatter, Bo Nix was moving about with nothing the matter. By this late development, his mobility could smash the hopes of Beaver Nation, and the party would crash. The expectations of this uncivil game hung on the balance of beavers that had been lame. When what to our wondering eyes should inform Jack Hammer Coletto and more day-to-days in orange uniform. As if you'd known all along, it happened so quick, an OSU prof proposed a new outcome mathematic. So certain was the calculus that Beaver Nation exclaimed, and we hooped and hollered and knew them by name. Now Jaden, now Austin, now Fenwick and Griffin, on Gould, on Bloomfield, successful rehab like McCartan and Tristan. The pigskin off Hayes' foot, he sailed that ball. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As projectiles impact when reaching their target, Bomb squad toppled ducks that were paid NIL above market. <laughs> so to the line of scrimmage went the beavers and the ducks. They sold out. The sold out crowd yelled, go get those fucks. And then it was third down. I heard the chainsaw on this first series. It's what I'd foresaw. Nick's with a long drop and was turning around through the line. Emerged Omar and tossed him to the ground. He was dressed orange from his head to his foot. Mother Reichner beamed proudly as the turf Nix was put. Reeser erupted when he was put on his back, and it was like orange sunshine right after that sack. Game on, we would struggle. Those guys would score, but our heroes persisted for the seniors once more. Gulbranson was on target as arrows from a bow. This was written before the game, reminder. And Harrison made a routine catch on a perfect hitch and go. <laughs> Benny revealed a golden grill rather than standard beaver teeth. Bernice made her routine, made her return, made her return while puddles lie crumpled beneath. Coach M's O-line dominated belly to belly. Sharp Rawls and Simon sliced by Forsyth's minions of green jelly. Lindgren mixed up the game, didn't outthink himself. It was unpredictable. My mother couldn't have done better herself. Kyrie was bone crushing, no leading with his head. Oladapo's smile brought joy, but for Phil Knight owned Ducky's dread. The game was in hand. Duck started playing the jerk. Their culture valued money and stars, didn't champion hard work. And the top went onto the field, went, to the, went to all the fans to celebrate the seniors and shake all their hands. Bandwagon green, TV announcers asked for the theme. Kipper, Kipper replied, the star of the team is the team. Heard Mike Parker exclaim at the beautiful sight, Happy Civil War to you all. Beeves won in a fair fight. Happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas, everyone. From Kyle Malloy. That's amazing. <laughs> Woo! That was Honestly, great. 
I'm going to read that to my children every single day the of season. the holiday season. <laughs> and also since uh, Santa slash Ben's dad was at the game in the terrace, uh, <laughs> informing everyone that a Christmas miracle was coming. Um, <laughs> shout out, Kyle. Thanks for sending that to us. Shout out um, Joe for shout for, out Joe for being Santa. Yes, and delivering <laughs> us Christmas miracles. So that was Ben's great. dad does look like Santa and came dressed as Santa to the game. And we're on the field afterwards. We're letting the mini bebay get get pictures with players. You know, dapping up some players, thanking them for what they did for Oregon State. The funniest thing I ever saw was fans on the field asking asking Jaden Grant for pictures, asking Omar Spates for pictures, and then asking Joe Weehage in his <laughs> Santa shit for pictures. <laughs> Everyone wanted pictures with Santa. <laughs> of course. It was great. His Santa jacket was a zip up. So people would, would ask for pictures of him and he goes, Do you want do you want regular Santa? Or do you want, and he'd unzip Beaver his Santa. jacket and go, want sexy Beaver Santa. Santa. And then it was <laughs> his gray, gray chest hair. No, just kidding. It was a beaver <laughs> sweatshirt. And, and so uh, we're, none of us are allowed in Reeser again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a, uh, that, that was a fun, fun experience for sure. So yes, I think the overarching thing, there's a lot we need to get to and a lot we need to touch on. Yeah. The ducks were taking us. The fucking woodshed in this game. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll jump in where the, the lead's thirty one ten late in the third quarter. And I I if I'm being honest, I probably gave up mentally uh, at that moment. The th- coolest thing from that moment exactly was that no one left. No, uh, one. a couple people left who we know, but we won't we won't shame them publicly. The student section stayed as packed. Yes, and, and that's not something I've seen before. Uh, so that was a good uh, thing. And then uh, the offense, you know, just finally made a play to get back in it a little bit. And you could tell, you know, the guys were deflated a little bit. It, nothing was going our way. Uh, it it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the offense that sparked it. It was and credit where credit's due. Silas Bolden's return. Right. Yep. That sparked it. Right. But also, I want to say this. We were being taken to the woodshed in the box score. But I honestly think that the majority of the uh, the teams for Oregon State were actually performing fairly well, mm-hmm. and it was just the offense just was sluggish getting, to get going. Short fields. Yeah, and yeah. so it, it all it took was that a, a little spark of momentum to get the ball back to the offense to get mm-hmm. our team rolling again, yep. and it wasn't like we had one. What I love is, like, I think we proved that this wasn't just, like, a superior team beating an inferior team, and then we luckily came back. And then we had the ball bounce our way, you know, one time that ended the game for us. I mean, like, that's what Stanford kind of felt like, the Stanford game. It was like, we had that one bounce go our way, and we won. We were lucky to get out of there with the win. This game felt different because they knew their their backs were against the wall, and they're like, how do we fix this? Right. Mm -hmm. How How do we still win this game? And it special teams, the defense, of course, kept kept it up. And then the offense, unsung heroes of right. the offense, came around and and made big plays. And they they all believed that mm-hmm. they could they could they could deliver that win. Right. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Benny. Yeah, I was. I mean, I just think to reiterate your guys's point, it it would have been so easy for people to 
um, to have given up being down 31 10 with four minutes to go in the third quarter. Like you're starting to play games in your head of even if we get a stop on every single one of their possessions and we score a touch on every single one of ours, are are we even going to have enough time to do that? Um, is that even feasible? And, um, I mean, like credit where credit's (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's right and, 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 and seriously like credit where credit's due that would have been an easy game for the fans to give up on that would have been an easy game for the players to give up on um and i think what you saw is oregon thought that that was the case and oregon actually let their foot off the pedal a little bit and that's where oregon oh, state smelled blood and and that's sometimes what you have to do as a good team things don't go your way gold branson like look let's let's call a spade a spade he didn't have his best game and, um, and, and you had to get through that. And I think Oregon um, just thought that they had it in the bag and Oregon state knew that they were talented enough to come back. And uh, if you don't play your best game, sometimes you have to do, do it that way, do it the hard way. And so it was great to see that the camaraderie of this team, I think that's, and we'll get into this more, but that is really what struck out, uh, stood out to me is Oregon State so often looked at as like this blue collar school. And I think with blue collar, there's like a, a feeling of more like loyalty to one another, where Oregon is a school where, I mean, most of the kids are out of state. They don't really know the rivalry. They're getting hella money with NIL deals. Um, and so that loyalty is is not as, as strong bonded. And um, I, I really do think that that was the difference in the game between those two teams. And yeah, it's important to say that the, the defense, well, that gave up some plays, you're going to give up plays in a big game. The defense was playing well mm-hmm. all game and just needed a, a little bit of help. And JP, sorry if this is uh, triggering for you in a way, former Niner coach, but uh, Steve Mariucci <laughs> always says, you're never too far behind with a great defense. And I feel like that is a sentiment that's usually reserved for offense if you have an offense like the greatest show on turf and you can score a million points in any, any uh, charge. But uh, our defense really flipped the script. And like you said, Benny, we needed w- one big return and a big uh, follow that, which was followed by a big play uh, from, from Damien. We were down 31 to 10, his uh, 40 plus yard run that uh, he ended up leaving the game after when mm-hmm. it was 31, 10, but that guy was in position and we finished that drive. Uh, and then there was one big play that Oregon had after that on their next drive, which got them in field goal range. Uh, but you could, it would have been so easy for the defense to like give up where they made a great stop. The next play is a Gull Branson pick uh, and it's, you know, returned to the, to the two. And I know Oregon scored there, but it was like our defense kept getting put in non-favorable positions and they played their way out of it until they made the game a favorable position for us. Uh, and then the ball starts bouncing your way a little bit. So it's like we could just name every player on the defense, like starter through, you know, the <laughs> any back, every backup who saw a snap and to be like give game balls and it's not enough praise for how well they played from start to finish and stayed in it, allowing us to make that great comeback. Yeah. And I think you're the one of the points that you were making was the uh, or one of the plays that you called out was that um we had we had scored to go uh to make the game 31 to 17 yeah Uh, or right Fenwick touchdown Oregon gets the ball next um and they find Chase Coda uh it was obviously like a blown coverage right there wasn't anyone within 20 yards of him and he runs down the field it was a what a 60 70 yard gain 
um, like that would break the back of almost every single college football defense, right? Like you just scored, like you, maybe there's a little bit of hope and you give that up and it's like, there's going to be this huge letdown. And, but they dug their feet in the mud. I think that was such a pivotal part of the game where they were able to dig their feet in the mud, hold them to a field goal and then not let them score the rest of the game after that. Yeah. Huge, big, big stat on the day. Oregon, 0 for 5 on fourth down. Quote Santana Moss from the U part two. Big players make big time plays in big games. Our Jaden Grant put his name in lights forever. Fuck yeah. That stop. Uh, 0 for 5 on fourth down. Four chances to score from the two uh, later on that on that final drive. Uh, it was we, you know, we fought back, and it seemed like Horgan started reeling after we hit him in the mouth once, and they mm-hmm. just couldn't find their continuity, uh, their balance. They couldn't really run the ball uh, after after that period of time, uh, and it it was like I don't know, it looked like, it looked like they were like going through. Uh, it looked kind of even like the not to make this comparison, but it looked they looked like the they did the in the Georgia game at the beginning of the year, we're just. <laughs> Nothing was really working, and they were just scrambling. And it's you know kind of felt like if they had retained patience and stuff, maybe it'd have been uh, a different game. But we tackled so well in that fourth quarter. Yeah, we did. Um, and despite just, I don't want to bemoan the point of of the refs, but they're the refs are getting a lot of attention, as Pac-12 refs often do. I think it's pretty justified in this case. Uh, and the the pass interference uh, on Alex Austin that gave them the ball uh, <laughs> when it was thirty four thirty one Oregon State lead uh, with you know three minutes left was one of, one of the worst calls. Uh, so for them to make that goal line stand despite being put in that position just shows the the fortitude and ability and belief that they've had you know all year long and it's just awesome to see the the regular season come to fruition uh, in you know such such an exciting way like that 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 was you know that beats the goal line stand against cal in 2007 in my mind oh yeah it was it was amazing well we had somebody uh pose the question i think we should address this okay. uh i mean there's a lot to still talk about the game but i think that's high level and benny you posed this a little bit at the beginning of the episode is this the is this the best civil war victory ever where does this rank in civil war wins i believe that was a question right so I, I, the, I post it's, it differently. Okay. <laughs> it's to, to me, to me, uh, yes. And I think it's for a, a couple different reasons. The only comparable, uh, comparable game to me would have been, uh, the 98 civil war triple overtime where Simon Tin ran it in to win the game. And it That's was bedlam. You're the only one who can speak to this too, because JP was in the Bay area. <laughs> I was in Minneapolis we weren't necessarily thinking about Oregon State, but I would have thought 2000 would have even beaten that that uh, sent the Beavs to the Fiesta Bowl because uh, Oregon was we we ruined any Rose Bowl hopes for the Ducks that year too. Right. So my mind immediately went to 2000, but I do know the 98 one was iconic as like the moment the corner was turned in Oregon State football. No pun intended. Uh, shout out Kenny Simonson. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I kind of want to hear you sort of dissect those two past civil wars a little bit. Yeah, I think um, w- the '98 civil war was just so close the whole game, and uh, there were a couple times where each team thought that they had had really won the game, 
and it was really exciting. Um, I forget where, I forget if Oregon was even ranked. I don't think Oregon State, I'm almost positive Oregon State was not ranked uh, at, at that time. So that's, that um, I think plays into why I would say that, uh, that the Civil War that was played yesterday would be ranked higher. Um, also, just like the the comeback aspect where this game, I think if for the casual observer, it was, uh, you know, do we flip the channel? This game sort of over type feel to that game. Um, and it's where that home team starts coming back and that belief starts getting reinstated. And then that belief becomes like a realization of, oh, this is really happening. And, and there's just this like, buildup of the crowd that culminates in an ultimate win, but the stakes are also really high. I think the, the um, Oregon state will eventually go to the sun bowl. Um, and I think that was sort of solidified a couple weeks ago. Um, but JP, you had mentioned this last week or uh, it was before the Arizona state game, every win matters. And yep. when you're rebuilding a program, um, it, it, the difference between uh, an eight and four or a eight and five, if you lose your bowl game and a 10 and three season is huge. Um, it gets you more recruits. It gets you more publicity. It gets you on more of a prime time spot, uh, potentially for a bowl game. Um, and, and that is sort of the, the, the final key point of this 98 was special because it was, um, you know, the, the corner was turned from such an abysmal 27 straight losing seasons, right? Like that was the, that was the beginning of it. Um, and, but then it went from Riley to Erickson and Erickson really was the one who yeah. went from having a mediocre team to like a great team. So I do see a little bit of a difference between that and what we're going to see, I believe with Jonathan Smith, which is. Jonathan Smith, who is a previous player of this program, has instilled previous players into the coaching staff of this program, um, is is turning the corner in a very um, like grassroots sort of way. And I think that's so unique compared to what we see in college football right now with, you know, um, the transfer portal being different. Right. And NIL, which I think we all agree are really good things. It does just change the landscape of college football. So to see a program that is building itself internally and through a grassroots movement um, is great. And, and this was such such a huge piece. This was such a huge block in the rebuilding of the program. And you could feel that. And I think the, the game almost was a, um, an allegory to like the bigger picture of what we're witnessing right now. Um, so that's why I think this game was, was so big. And also like Oregon wasn't the Nike university yes. or the university of film night that we said. saw before. Yeah. And it's just different. I was waiting on that because while neither of us were as emotionally invested as a fan of Oregon state and, and any of those prior, you know, really Turner corning Turner corner, turning corner, turning wins. It was not the same because I feel like this game itself felt like a leapfrog moment where that actually was substantial between the two programs. I know Oregon will have all the resources they could ever imagine that Oregon State could ever fathom to to retain where they stand currently and try to grow to something bigger as a program. 
They can't. I don't think they can. And I don't think that that's going to matter because everyone like Oregon State is here to blow up that model. Mm-hmm. We are literally we proved that yesterday, and I think that the seasons go on from this point forward. That will just be that initial linchpin of you remember when Oregon State just obliterated Oregon in their model for building a successful football program based upon solely their association with a, a multi-billion trillionaire uh, brand that can just do whatever they want to try to throw money at players and coaches, uniforms, any resource you can you can imagine uh, and get them to be successful. And we've just been slowly building the right way, and we still won this game. And I think we were the better program all season. And I think this game really left nothing to doubt for me because there wasn't like, oh, Bo Nix. Yeah, he was banged up. Who's not banged up? But he played. He said, I'm good to go. It's week thirteen. Yeah, if, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna go out there and say I'm good to go, you better get, say like I gave him my all. That's all I could do. There's no excuse. And I I didn't say he was making excuses. No. And I don't think he would. But I don't want to <laughs> see fans making excuses either. This right. were two fairly unhealthy teams uh, playing each other in the final game of the season in a very emotional environment for a lot on the line and. And it got very emotional as the game went on, uh, and and the better team won. The better yep. team won. Period. Uh, one thing I want to I want to point out is, you talked about this as like every win matters when you're building a program. Every win matters. It, it matters because you get better bowl slotting. It matters because your athletic department starts to earmark more money for your uh, assistant coaches like Bray, who and Lindgren, who could start to get some looks this uh, off season. Where there's a lot of. Uh, coaching vacancies happening at this moment. Right. There's lots of coaches who've already slotted into new spots as well, but that that's all important. But you have to also remember recruiting is huge. Mm-hmm. On paper, nine's better than eight. Of course, when you beat your rival, that's better than everything. Right. And then we also happen to have our most prized recruit in the building for this game to experience this environment in a two-thirds finished stadium and to watch this <laughs> team's resiliency, to watch the coaches outsmart. These multi-millionaire coaches right. brought to Eugene, and just it goes to show, like I, it solidifies to them. I picked the right spot. I'm in the right place, and that is huge, huge for the trajectory of of our program. Right. I'm in yeah. total agreement. Answering the question for for a lot of reasons. Number one, I think this ranks as my favorite Civil War win ever, uh, because of recency bias and also because of not. It, it did happen yesterday. My, my voice has not fully come back. We're all doing great impressions of people who actually have functioning vocal cords, uh, and we'll probably be <laughs> at our job uh, all, all week. Uh, but you think of like big games, uh, big time, great games, and it, it needs criteria. Like if that exact same game happened yesterday, and like we were like five and six and needed to get to a bowl game, and we we still did it, and messed up shit for Oregon it'd still be a, a, a great game one one that we'd remember but I don't think you'd have the sort of all-time lingo hovering around it so you have two teams that do hate each other two teams that are ranked uh one with eight wins one with nine wins uh and pretty big uh bowl implications on the line on national tv we've been begging for that that arena uh all all year uh, for multiple years, 
And we've had Jonathan Smith put a lot of flags in the ground along the way from late November 2017 to here. So it's not terribly surprising that this big flag was just put in the ground with the punctuation that it was put in the ground with yesterday. But I think when you look at the history of Oregon State and then when we're looking back on the whole tenure of Jonathan Smith's time as head coach, hopefully it's a very, very, very long time, uh, this will be sort of like the first sort of big chapter. And did you uh, see how happy he was? He, and he yeah. doesn't let that emotion go that much. That little jump skip once the Gatorade <laughs> cooler like kind of got to him. Uh, he was smiling ear to ear. Uh, you can tell, you can see how happy he is for his players. And also in a way, uh, Sam Vecini's article in the athletic that came out this week before the game does a great job of just summing up everything from then till now, from when he was hired to now. And just like how he knew, he, he knew this could happen in 2019, not in 2019 at hell itself, but he knew we were headed here. And we just need to stay along that road. And it was going to keep, it was going to be rocky. And there's going to be, you know, moments along that path that aren't great. And there's going to be frustration. Uh, but if you just stick with it, that's why uh, last year, even though there's been calls for more multiple moves like this, uh, Tibisar is the only assistant who's been removed by Smith. And it's either been, you know, promotions within uh, guys have stayed. Uh, that's why I really hope we are able to increase the pool for uh, assistance. Um, I have it. On my notes here, you build a statue right now for offensive line coach Jim McElchuk. Yes. The job that dude has done. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, like, think back to some of the games we had to watch. No offense to anyone on, on those teams. Uh, no one was set up for success, but it was just seeing a road grading offensive line that's like, all right, doesn't matter who's back there. Like, we're getting this first down. Uh, we're, 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 taking, we're taking the, the game to you. Um, He's helped make us RBU. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So oh, for much. sure. So, yeah. I I do think this ranks as number one uh, of all Civil War wins. Uh, and if it we go to the Sun Bowl, fine. I don't. I I really like. I don't give a shit. Other than you know, I yeah. think it's it's slightly more money if you go to the Alamo Bowl or the Holiday Bowl. Um, but it's. The, I know we want to talk about rankings and stuff. The AP poll and the coaches poll came out today. We're 16 in both, one spot behind Oregon in both, and people are mad. But all of that shit's just noise. And Smith has shown that it's not about this external noise at all. And that manifested in that game yesterday. And I think there's a direct correlation to that. And I, so for that, all those reasons and more is why yesterday is what why I think it's the best Civil War win ever. I really want to quickly yeah. say something about uh, the bowl game stuff, too, because I've thought about this on our very quiet drive home because all of our vocal cords were in severe <laughs> we were pain. smiley. Smiley as ever. I, <laughs> I sat there and I thought about what, where are we going to go? What's the bowl going to be? And I thought different scenarios, what that meant uh, for our program – uh, more desirable locations or, or more intriguing matchups. But then I thought, I thought two things are the most important. I kind of narrowed it down to this as a program, the two things that are most important, 10 wins and a bowl victory. Right. And those go hand sure. in hand. Now what's the easiest route to 10 wins and a bowl victory. It's not the marquee matchup, right? It, not to say that just because we play maybe an inferior opponent, we should win. No brainer. We saw that last year. But and I don't even know what to say if Utah State was an inferior opponent at that moment. But I'm, what I think <laughs> is important is, is, is remember there are some broader implications 
of winning even a lower level bowl against an inferior opponent and getting a bowl victory, getting to 10 wins this year would be so important and huge. But also, no one remembers who loses the LA Bowl. No one remembers who no. loses the Sun Bowl. So I only remember because of Utah State's awesome tweet when we did blow up the old side of research. It, that I, was very, I, very good. It was just a bowl. But that's my point. Is, Utah State I'm, social, I'm not whoever that was. I'm not trying to say like we 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 should seek the easier path right, to that right. point. But what I, I'm also alluding to is like. That is the most important. And if it comes from a lower level bowl, we should be celebrating right. that because hopefully that means we get a bowl victory and 10 wins. Mm -hmm. And our only gamble is we lose a bowl that no one remembers. Right. And, it, yeah. and it's okay because this we still is, had a very successful conference this season. This is the spoonful of sugar helping the medicine go down for Beaver fans who will spend time online being mad online about us getting sent to the Sun Bowl. Exactly. Yeah, it's yep. not even a bad bowl. So no, it's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, just get ready, Oregon State fans. Don't spend energy on it. it it's too out of our control to even worry about. So it's a win-win situation. It really is. Like it, it is. really, it really is. And it, what keeps sticking out to me, especially since we've been talking on air right now, is that um, it is like it's the old adage of the tortoise and the hare, right? Like Oregon's the hare. Uh, and, and let's be honest, like that's who we measure ourselves up against for better or worse. That's who we measure ourselves up against. And Oregon's the hair. They're always looking for the next grab. They're always distracted by the shiny uniforms or the expensive locker room or the NIL deals or um, whatever it might be. They want to be new and um, just the people who you attract, not only to your program as players, but as fans have absolutely zero loyalty when it comes down to it and and not to call this person out because they are a friend of mine but i had a friend who has been a duck fan since they were a kid and he go he texted me yesterday he goes i'm 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 done with the oregon ducks i think i'm gonna be a boise state fan right that's the type of fans you get that is the type of fans that you get he's a great person he's a terrible fan but um, <laughs> but that is why that that is why it's so um, gratifying to watch this Oregon State team, right? Like you, like both of you said, we've done this in a methodical way. We've done this, albeit slow at times, uh, and and grueling and frustrating at times. We've done it in a slow, methodical, and correct way, and now we are able to reap the benefits of all of that. Um, and, and that is such, to me, more of a gratifying thing than if you're trying to buy yourself wins, which it feels like Oregon does. Um, and, sure. and I think I think one other thing to note is, and this is something that I, I've really thought a lot about the last, uh, really all, all year long, is teams like Oregon State get windows of opportunity once in a blue moon. And especially in the ever-changing landscape of college football, those windows are probably going to become more fewer and further between. Um, and so what I think we all sort of are feeling right now of what we are about to witness in the next um, hopefully long time period, but maybe not, um, is going to be really special. So enjoy it. Like this is such a fun time to be a Beaver fan. We've for the last 20 years, we've, we've talked about, oh man, remember when we had Ocho Cinco and TJ Hushmanzada and Steven Jackson and Ken Simonton, we were in the Fiesta Bowl playing Notre Dame. I, I really truly believe 
that what we are about to witness is going to be very in line with that. It's going to be teams that are going to be talked about 20, 30, 40 years from now. So realize that and enjoy this moment because we fucking have deserved it as fans Absolutely. for sticking with this team. Uh, and it's going to be a really, really fun ride. Hey, did you say something about hair? About the hair? Tort the tortoise and the hair. Okay. The to tortoise Can, and the uh... hair, yeah. Can I just do this in reference of one of my favorite lyrics of all time? Of course. Yes. That this ain't my car, like that ain't your hair. JP, J please play five seconds up. No pigeons by Sporty Thieves. Yeah. My bench, this, my man, yeah. But this ain't my car, like that ain't your hair. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was really wondering where you're going with that. We've been trying to work that into the show since the pigeon showed up against Arizona State. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I did say that a, uh, I said a duck is just a yellow painted pigeon on the drive home. Yeah. That's yeah, true. it is. Yeah. Yeah. It pigeons, is. pigeons are gross. Yeah, so are ducks. For sure. Um, but yeah, Ben, you make a lot of great points. And I think uh, I, I made sure to take some time, you know, self-care, treat yourself, especially during the holidays. Uh, Terry I mean, spent 45 I mean, minutes in my hot tub this afternoon. I did. I did. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, JP, please play five seconds of hot tub. <laughs> Before before I remember Son Corvallis, you know, I made sure to uh, delight in all of the musings of Duck Twitter uh, for a while. Just you know, it's like the the opposite of doom scrolling. Just oh oh yeah, injected into my veins. <laughs> and people are saying like so the reaction, Benny. And I, this isn't an Oregon podcast; it's an Oregon State podcast. But you mentioned the comparisons. And the different situations. And also the two teams just fucking played each other. So we're going to shit on Oregon a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yes. One, I forget who tweeted this, but uh, an Oregon account talked about how, like hitting the portal, recruit, 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 uh, adding money to like assistant pool, whatever. And um, a college football account um, that uh, I'll try to find it here, but that I follow and respect said at some point, Oregon Duck fans need to realize that Oregon coaching its own players matters. Like, you can't just throw in another four-star, throw in another five-star. Uh, this was the long way around, but it was the way you had to go with just the shape this program was left in when Anderson resigned. And it's been by coaching up guys. And we have been active in the portal, and we have recruited well. Not by those standards but sort of by our own standards you've seen that tick up a little bit that's not to say recruiting's nothing it's not to say nil's nothing and that marketing yourself and having a reputation and being active uh in those places doesn't matter they do what ultimately matters most is coaching your own players once they are your players and i think we are in one of the best uh, positions for that nationally so many guys the pundits were all over jonathan smith yesterday like coward couldn't stop talking about how amazing uh jonathan smith is uh matt leinert was tweeting about jonathan smith coward also and said that it, we were at we were cooked it was, was done like, yeah he did but that's what he's supposed to do um i'm not trying to like oh well colin coward said we're good now so it must be true um but it is it's the that attention's fun and it's what, like, this, you know, overreaction that Duck fans obviously will have to a loss to Oregon State because they we, they lost to Oregon State. So they're, of course, going to overreact. There's not a price tag you can throw at it. Like, you just need to hope Lanning and his staff develop as coaches and grow as coaches 
to a point where they are as good at developing their own players as their competition is. Cause that's the standard that Smith has set. And it's hasn't been as quick. It's not as sexy, despite him being an incredibly sexy man. But <laughs> it's like that you can't just, you know, be like, oh, we'll fix this in the portal. Like we'll get this nose tackle who won't let like those running plays like happen. Like you develop your coaching staff, developing your players fucking matters. And until like, that's, you know, what the fans say doesn't, isn't, doesn't fucking matter. But until you get that through your head, like you're not going to see the results that you want. Cause the, the answer to that's not lying in the portal. It's not the next NIL deal. Five stars come and go. They come through college football all the time. In-house development is essential. And that's something that I think Smith has done better than anyone else over the last four years. And if you don't believe me, watch the tape. <laughs> it is yeah. a day and night difference from where we were to where we are now. Well, and, and I think this is a, a good time. Um, well, actually, you know, I did want to make one point before I go into what I was going to say. It, and that is um, it does feel exceptionally good that um we are just living in this uh, amazing afterglow of what we just witnessed both in in the civil war game but in terms of the full scope of the season i think everyone's just so happy on beaver nation you look at (laughs) you look at oregon in the last three weeks they've lost to washington and oregon state the two most hated teams of of duck fans and Washington won last night to solidify Oregon not making it to the Pac-12 yeah. championship. Poetic. Game. Like, like this is the worst three-week stretch that the Ducks have had in terms There's of There's never been a friendlier losses. day in the Beaver Husky group chat that I'm a part <laughs> That's of. Right. It was uh, really yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> the the other the other thing that I wanted to say, uh, more alluding to to your point, Terry, is you look at the players that for Oregon state, right. Especially, especially the ones that were seniors and especially the ones that have been here for a long time. Like I'm thinking Jaden Grant, um, they didn't want to leave the field last night. I mean, they, you, you have it all in, right. You have, um, the ushers at, uh, Reeser who, uh, for those of you that have stayed, um, you know, after a game, you've seen them, they'll, they'll take the rope and then they move it from one end zone down to the other to move the people off. Those players were, were being ushered off by the ushers. And that happens a long time after the game, the players kept on going into the locker room and then they kept on coming back out. They wanted to take that in. And that doesn't happen if you don't have a culture built within your program and have an identity of that program. And, and that, I think, um, not to boil it all down, but like that is a huge difference of what we're seeing of this Oregon State team and the Oregon team. You have a culture that people have drunk the Kool-Aid on at Oregon State and, and they really believe in this. And they, um, I mean, Jaden Grant is going to be coming to Beaver games until that man's not able to walk anymore when he's like 85, 90 years old. Like these players are Beavers for life. And I think with Oregon players, you might see him tweet about it, tweet about Oregon every once in a while after they're out of the program, but they don't give a fuck. Like they really don't. And, and, and I don't say that as a diss to Oregon because I don't think that that is, um, the the minority anymore in in college football um or at least it's changed uh to a significant degree oregon state is the anomaly and you have these players that just like 
love Corvallis, love the university, love the program, love the fans. And that's these players played their fucking asses off yesterday. They believed in each other. They came back. They won against a top 10 team without passing the ball, just running it down their throats. But you know what every single one of them said in, in post-game quotations or post-game interviews is the fans were amazing. They were here, you know, all game making noise. And that was after they had one of the most incredible comeback performances in school history. They're, they're looking at like other aspects of this program. And that is what is so endearing. And that's what makes it so awesome to be a fan of this program right now. It's just like, you, you can't say enough about it. Yeah. And it was top to bottom too. Like we can't get out of this episode without talking about special teams. Yeah, uh, you, Everett Hayes specifically uh, booted a 50 yard field goal on the first drive. You know, that's been an issue for us this year. Uh, so it was great to see that happen. And <laughs> the fucking sorcery he needed to kick the the kickoff that way uh, early fourth quarter uh, <laughs> that bounced. Houston thinks it's going out of the end zone and can't blame him for that. We were right. sitting in where that's the terrace end. Um, we thought it's going through the end zone. It hits the one and goes straight up. So straight up. To catch it on the one and returns it to the nine. So while our offense capitalized on uh, Oregon's defense, putting us in good positions suddenly, which was a flip from earlier in the game, like our defense and our special teams were doing a phenomenal job. Uh, Jeremiah Noga being giant on the spot. Like how many times you see a punter bobble a punt, you know, not every game, but it happens. And how many times you see him recover, you know, gets gets get a punt off. It's not a great punt, but it's still, you know, 20, 30 yards downfield. And it could have been a disaster. Jeremiah Noga blitzed through that line and was on bails the second that ball hit the ground. Made sure, like, <laughs> you're not going anywhere, fucker. Oregon's lucky that we got the ball in the two instead of a touchdown or a safety there. Uh, so, yeah, everyone just balled out. In hey, speaking every, of speaking of bobble, though, group. speaking of bobble. Uh, I know the, the the passing game wasn't anything to write home about. Um, ben actually thought I, I thought did well for what he was asked for. A couple of mistakes, but he's he was uh, not credited with with the touchdown with a, pass. With the touchdown pass, but I think yeah. he threw one to himself. So I oh. really, in my brain, he threw a touchdown and received a touchdown all at the same time in a crucial moment. We were kind of blocked, and I'm so ha- I did not know that happened until after the game. I didn't know that happened until I watched the replay earlier this afternoon. Right when I like, oh my I God. Would, my heart would not have been able to take seeing that ball pop up in the air. And but he's just cool, Ben Goldbranson, cool as you like. Just oh, the cool Benny there. G, baby. He's That's like, right. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of the trenches with just dudes on my left, dudes on my right, juice in my lap, in yep. the jug. Yeah. Touchdown. Touchdown. Reception. <laughs> touchdown reception. That should, that should be one one uh one completion, uh one reception, uh and a passing and receiving touchdown credited yeah. to our man, Benny G. Benny with the good chains. One Benny one. with the good chains. Damn jams chains. Add it, add it to the nickname folder. <laughs> one uh, one other thing with special teams too is that 52 yard field goal by mm-hmm. Everett Hayes in the first uh, first possession of the game. Um, number one, like I I think Everett either is is still hurt or has been hurt up until this week. Like yeah, 
he he just hasn't been himself or he Uh, was hurt and that's been on his mind as he's been recovering like and he's just worried about getting re-injured i mean right when you're a kicker there's so many parts of your lay that you rely on of staying healthy that it doesn't even matter if it is or isn't if your brain doesn't think it is or isn't sure it is then you're not healthy so i agree i want to keep going but i just wanted to make the point that like he he could also physically be healthy but mentally be thinking something might still not be right Right. And and kicking is such a psychological exactly. mind mess that um, that he's he was, I think, four of eight and his longest was definitely not 52 yards going into the game. Um, and dude just cool, calmly kicks it in in the most important game, arguably in Oregon State uh, program, not history, but like for sure within the last 10 years. And um, if he doesn't make that, I, who knows what happens? Like you almost felt like you had to score on that first first totally. possession. So you know, kudos to the special teams; they they were huge yesterday. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the Silas Bolden return as well, and we blocked a punt. Um, mm-hmm. That I believe we threw an interception right after blocking the punt. Yeah. That was one of those just yeah. God, it was such a fucking roller coaster. Uh, but yeah, special teams. What football is three phases, just like podcasting, offense, defense, and special teams. Um, yeah, those guys were were heroic. Uh, hey, can we shout out Damian Martinez again for the 100 yards? Yes, I was about yes. to move to the running back room right now. Also oh. heroic is the whole running game. Damian Martinez, a six-consecutive 100-yard game, uh, keeping him in further company with one Steven Jackson. He was pretty good. Uh, six consecutive. Uh, he needs 30 in the bowl game to hit 1K. Uh, there'll probably be a, a graphic JP makes of – Damien holding up a thousand fingers to commemorate. <laughs> uh, but and it was like it wasn't it wasn't just one play, but we're down 31 to 10. We got to find a way into this. And Damien had, I think it was a 43 yard run, which was the run he ended up getting hurt on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that 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 sprung us in in that drive. And uh, Fenwick punched it in a, a few p- plays later Then 31 17. Uh, it's you know, it's late, but there's life and. Uh, Oregon comes back and makes it another three possession game with the field goal. But that play, I think, issued a lot of belief. That's like, if we're going to win this game, we need just explosive runs. And that was, you know, kind of just, it was great to see the running back room sort of lift each other up in that moment where it's, you know, Fenwick hasn't had the season. We kind of all hoped he would. He's had a lot of injuries as well. So, uh, but to see him come in, play hard. Uh, get some hard runs in there. Isaiah Newell, <laughs> two carries, two touchdowns. No kidding. Uh, and they weren't they weren't gimme touchdowns. They weren't. No. They were fantastic runs. Grant uh, Jam Griffin with seventy five on eight. Uh, Silas with uh, with popping one uh, for for fourteen. Uh, seven different guys ran the ball, and it was it was just it was crazy to see uh, to see that combination of guys getting you to two sixty eight. And just spearheading that comeback. And we basically, we went 28 and three, shout out Atlanta Falcons fans, against the Ducks <laughs> with just defense, a crazy big offensive line and running the ball. Do you still want to go to the fucking Big Ten, Oregon? That fourth <laughs> quarter was the first Big Ten game you've ever played. And it didn't go great. You're, you think you're going to move the ball against Iowa in 10 degree weather <laughs> with, with that shit? <laughs> maybe, maybe stay here on the West Coast where it's nice and warm. Uh, yeah, awesome. Shout out Damien. If you got more to say about Damien, I know we always do. Uh, he The injuries was a little bit of a scare. He was on the field uh, after the game 
um, dapping up fans and posing for pictures with the rest of the running backs. And he looked good. He was smiling, obviously, but I didn't detect any limps or anything. like. No, he that. said he, we, we've heard from him. He said he's good. Good. Yeah. Nice. So I'm sure he'll be ready for the bowl game. Yeah. I mean, like next man up mentality is, uh, was showcased on, on Saturday without a doubt. That was, uh, an absolutely incredible spectacle. I think that like, we still haven't comprehended what that means to not have thrown a pass in, in, uh, a 28 to three shellacking of a top 10 team. Like how, right. that, 12 that's, minutes that's, of time. That's crazy. That that's uh, like, you think, okay, you're down three scores with a quarter left to play. I have an idea. Let's just not pass the ball. Like no, that, <laughs> that would not, that, that just doesn't work. Uh, that doesn't, that shouldn't work. And it did, and it did for a multitude of different reasons, but certainly high up on that list is um, when these running backs were called upon, they were ready. And Isaiah yep. Newell, you know, like you said, the, the two touchdown runs that he had, the two carries of the game that he had, um, were not uh, were not gimmies. And I think the last touchdown that he had to put us up um, was, uh, you know, we talked about the game being an allegory to the season. That play was an allegory to the game where he got sort of stuck on the two yard line, and you had Oregon defensive players that were sort of scattered around the where he was stuffed and just sort of standing there. And you had Oregon state players yes, in the same boat. And then they all went into where Isaiah Newell was and pushed him over the goal line where the Oregon players were just sort of still standing there. And it's like, that's what it's all about. That is, that is how this game was won in one play right there. Well, and I, I love seeing Newell out there and having a, a big moment like this. It, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of chance Nolan's, uh, you know, last second uh appearance in the in the civil war two years ago and it's like you know you're 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 thinking these these guys they they they've been waiting all season they they're they're thinking i don't know when my time's gonna come but they don't go into the season thinking like i'm just gonna be sitting here waiting to play and i'll never do it like they want to play and i actually met a guy uh, I, I don't know if I told you guys either on the pod or, or just privately, but I met, I met this guy, uh, at the pool in my family's mountain cabin and he saw my chop em hat, which I'm wearing now of course, and said, uh, chop em, Is that for Oregon state? Cause he recognized the script look either way. We started talking and he goes, I met a family the other day up here and their son, uh, had just transferred to Oregon state last year. Didn't play much last year, but had a really good summer and has like big expectations. And uh, he uh, he should have a good year. He's a running back. And I go, whoa, okay. And what's his name? He's like, I don't know. I just remember he's number 25. <laughs> All right. So I'm like, I don't know who number 25 is either. You know, I'm thinking Fenwick. I'm thinking Martinez. I'm thinking Jam. I'm, I mean, I'm thinking Low. Like that. that's four deep already. Right. <laughs> it's crossing my mind. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm like, I got to go home and figure this out. And up there, there's no, there's no cell service. So it's, you can't just like sit there like, Whoa, let me look at my phone. You like go home, get on Wi-Fi, And that's how you find this stuff. And I found it. And like a couple of days later, I saw him again. I was like, Isaiah Newell, I've heard the name, but I don't know much about him. And he said, he looked at me, he's like his family and him think he's going to be a big part of this team. 
And here we go. Full circle. From August. That was from August. Stay ready so you don't got to get ready. Someone's right. It's a weird game and injuries happen. Your number is going to get called. And a lot of guys' numbers have been called all year. Uh, and for them to just step up and get the job done is incredible. And God, I'm just looking at the play by play again. Four chances from the five for Oregon on that last goal line stand. And they were gifted that five yard line position yeah. too. Twice. Yeah. There are two, two, there's one very questionable PI call at that last one that put them on the five, but there is one before that that was also, it was, yeah. there's a little bit more of a case to be made for it, but also like, and we don't need to get into this because it didn't matter at the end of the day, but like if you're a ref, fine call that in the first quarter get it you can't fucking call that when right. there's especially when it's not your call it wasn't the the side judge right. it was like the back judge who is really far from right uh where that play was but yeah, yeah. I'm, if uh they punch it in there or just a few other things happen we're having a way less fun conversation this yeah. evening and i'm happy that's not the case well yep. it'd still be fun to talk to you guys and hang with you, Terry, here in Northeast Portland. In Northeast Portland. But it would have been not as yeah, enjoyable. We'd be, we'd be right. coming with uh, some some negative energy. Uh, I just I want to make sure that we mention uh, this quote from Rod Gilmore. After Oregon's field goal that opened the fourth quarter and the score was 34-17. What a matchup between Oregon and USC. Caleb Williams and Bo Nix. I'm guessing Rod Gilmore got an advanced copy of uh, NCAA football from EA Sports whenever <laughs> it's coming back. Because whenever they nail Oregon's Benny's clock Oregon's in the not game, playing, Oregon's not playing USC in real life, Rod. <laughs> uh, like, like Geno Smith, this, uh, the quote I was yelling this in the terrace and to anyone who would listen. Uh, the terrace then, horseman. Terrace horseman. Uh, make the shirt. Uh, shout out uh, Luke Luke Ease, I believe, on Instagram. Um, they wrote us off. We ain't right back though. They wrote us off. We ain't right back, though, baby. I could not stop yelling that for in, until my voice said, dude, you are done yelling. Nothing is coming out of this voice box for the rest of the night. And then I said, <laughs> OK, <laughs> that's what we started whispering. That's why we should have whispered. That's the real reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, just wow. What what a what a fucking day. Hey, shout out to seniors shout again. Shout out to seniors. Yeah. Shout out to seniors. Shout out to Santa Weehage. Uh, shout out to the picture of Ben. Not those seniors. Cla- I'm talking about the. I know. Oh. I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to be fun right now. <laughs> shout out to Benny for celebrating and climbing onto the terrace drink rail before the game was over and f- flipping off just the general direction of the Oregon football team and also Eugene. I checked. <laughs> Her hand was pointed towards the south. You know how those signs where there's like arrows pointing like 10 miles until this city, yeah, 130,000 miles until yeah. this city. 47 miles to Austin City. It's just a middle Go finger. fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we should put that on campus. Yeah. <laughs> put up. Uh, I, want, I want a statue of Jim McKillichek. I want a statue of Benny in, in that pose as well. <laughs> With just a, yeah, yeah, 47 miles. <laughs> Right below his hand. Right. I I just wanted to share a, a thought that I had. So I um I went to uh use the restroom after Oregon had kicked that field goal, right? And I think I was uh, the field goal to go up 34-17. I think I was sort of right, kind of in line with where you were at, Terry, where you're just sort of mentally 
or not giving up, but it's just like it's mentally drained. Really, 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 really tough. Yeah. It'd be really tough. And I go to pee, and I, I there's a thought that crossed my head of like we have had conversations before where um in one way or another we're like oh my god i can't believe that happened uh or oh my god did you see that game i thought that it was you know nail in the coffin and then they came back i was like the, like crazier things have happened it's it's a it's a three score game there's a quarter left to play and we're at home and we've lost one game at home in the last two years like crazier things have happened i just really really hope that we're having one of those really fun conversations of oh my god can you believe that actually fucking happened tomorrow and it was just sort of like this thought that just played in my head once and then i go and, and leave the bathroom and as i leave the bathroom i hear the crowd erupt well that eruption was silas bolden's return mm-hmm. uh, and then the then the face mask that happened um but it's just i don't know it's just funny how things work out that way sometimes Hey, I, I will, to wrap up football, I think, but I want to know, Benny, how did you predict this game would go? I, I predicted that it was going to be uh, a close-fought battle where Oregon State would have to come back, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Terry, what did you predict? I predicted 39-33 overtime, uh, Jaden Grant pick six, providing the winner. I don't know. I predicted a win. I don't remember the score, but <laughs> we all called the win. <laughs> we right. totally knew. Don't be surprised. Don't act surprised. I have to say, this is like one of the most exciting and fun regular season conference seasons that we've had as Beaver football fans that I can remember. And and honestly, the dominoes are all falling right now. Every all the dust is settling, and we look and we see who we lost to. And I think that that's a feather in our cap as well. And I don't want to like again say like. Well, yeah, it was a it was a loss, but you know we lost to USC, number four in the losses happen, guys. Exactly, <laughs> like, and they're bound to happen. But we lost to, of course, CFP stuff's not out yet. But like, we we've got the AP poll, et cetera, coaches poll, USA Today poll. USC is going to potentially make the college football playoff at this point. They should. Caleb Williams might end up being your Heisman winner. And he had his worst game against our defense after in our two-thirds of a stadium where it was louder than anyone could prepare for. And then, of course, UW, number eight right now. Who knows where they'll stand around there, you know, give or take. And then Utah. And I, I, I just – you have to look at it from that kind of perspective and realize – that this team lost to great teams. Not to say we aren't great, but we lost to other great teams. And that's important. We won when we were supposed to win. And we lost, but we also lost fairly closely uh, against conference foes yeah. that are also nationally highly touted. Which the Beavs don't get that yeah. same respect, clearly. Seen, and those two Mountain West teams are playing each other for the Mountain West Championship. Yeah, and Montana State is still like... <laughs> Montana State hasn't lost. lost since then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and and I think you bring up a really good point, and that is, and look, the the counter to what I'm about to say is the Stanford game we could have easily lost, but we we found a way to win. Um, but we were we threw four interceptions and had zero turnovers uh, that the the defense had against USC, and they still had to score a last second touchdown with a minute less than two minutes left. Um, the the Washington game, man, I was there. 
That game could have easily, easily been 21-0. If either of those games go in our favor, which they both very easily could have, we're having a very different conversation. If both of those games would have gone in our favor, we're having a very different conversation right now. So that's um, not to say that that can't happen. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like we we are. Yes, we're nine and three. And yes, we have made a huge, huge step from last year. And last year we made a huge step from the year before. But but this team was good enough to be a college football playoff team. Not saying that they deserve to be, but they had the talent and the coaching where we were we were within a shot to be a college football playoff team. I don't think that's crazy to say. And I think we'll be even higher than 16 in the college football playoff rankings that come out because they've kind of been a little bit more respectful of us than either the AP yeah. or the coaches bowl. Well, they look better, if, more head to head. And if you're 15 after 12 games, like that means you're like, you're, you're, you know, there's a big gap between four and 15, but you're not, you know, in a different universe. <laughs> like you're, you're still playing the same game in the same stadium uh, in the same league and you're, you're close. So yeah, I think that will be reflected in those rankings uh, that come out later this week. And yeah, I can think- I, can, I, I'm sorry. I just, I do have one last thing to add to that is of course. this, this may be the PAC 12's best year as a conference in a long time too. So like, yeah, Oregon state did improve their record, but their True. the competition they were playing was significantly yeah. better. And we played primarily the, the best, the best teams uh, minus UCLA in the conference. Where is UCLA these days? Uh, they're ranked right behind us. Uh, oh, I think at 17, I think it's still in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not, not quite in the Big Ten yet. Nobody but. cares. <laughs> oh, hey! Before we go, isn't there one more uh, five seconds you want to play from one of your favorite uh, groups of all time? Of course, this was brought up by a listener who I'm now blanking on. But ben Chin, honor Ben Chin, Ben Chin. Shout out Ben Chin. Shout out Ben's everywhere. A lot, a lot of great Ben's putting in work this weekend, including our own <laughs> Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage. Hey, uh, in honor of uh, this incredible season, uh, let's put the cherry. This game yesterday, but the incredible season, of course, as well. Let's put the cherry on top with JP. Please play five seconds of Duck Season by the Wu Tang Clan. There we go. Yeah, thank you, JP, for doing that, and thank you, uh, Beaver Fam. Uh, we love you all so much. We especially love Zach, who uh, made our days at uh, about 8.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> so, somewhere on I-5 between Corvallis and Portland. Uh, we love you all so much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Belligerent Beefs podcast. No matter where you watched the game yesterday, whether you're at Reeser, uh, we have friends who are you know, chiming in from Hawaii, uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, no, you, you did that. You helped your energy, your exuberance, uh, your passion, uh, and your love for this school, this team, these colors, this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for that because it was a really special day and one that we're never going to forget. And I don't even think we'll to- totally grasp uh, how special that was uh, fully any anytime soon. Uh, so thank you so much, Beaver Fam. Thank you for tuning in to this very special Civil War victory episode here uh, at the Belligerent Beeves. 
Uh, tune in again next week. Like, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Leave five-star reviews everywhere you can. Share the podcast with friends. Send it to the duck fan in your life. This episode specifically. Send it to them. They need to know. They need to learn the way I learned. Um, for all of us here at the Belligerent Peace Podcast, uh, my name is Terry Horseman at Terry Horseman on Twitter. If it's still there this time tomorrow when the episode goes up, at Terrence Horseman on the Instagram at Terrace Horseman on the uh, official Research Stadium app. <laughs> um, on on the Research Stadium. And for my pal Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weekage, he's Benny with the good quaff, Benny Bedlam because he's fucking crazy, folks. Uh, at Benny L nineteen eighty six on your social media channels. Also, we are broadcasting two thirds of this anyway from JP Bertram's basement in Northeast Portland. NEP baby. Uh, at the Trill J on Twitter. That's at the underscore Trill underscore J because he's too chill to be real. And at JP Bertram on Instagram. Follow us. Get your life together. At Belligerent Beeves on Twitter. At Belligerent Beeves on Instagram. Five stars everywhere. Like, follow, share. We're doing more reels on Instagram and stuff. We're on Facebook. We're on Mastodon. I don't know if we've put anything on Mastodon yet. We're on we're, Hive. We're on Hive. We're not on LinkedIn, but we will be because we're professional as shit. Uh, so do all those things. Uh, get excited about whatever bowl game we uh, go to. Get excited about watching definitely not Oregon in the Pac-12 Conference Championship game because we did that. Uh, and also, no matter what, remember, remember, on these last few days of November, you cannot spell chop them without hope. Chop them. Chop them. Chop them. Bring back Bernice. Good.